like Pastor Brown mentioned at the pastors and leaders meeting yesterday, we live in a time that is called post-truth. How do we prepare as a church for this season and for the future? The Bible says the enemy will be at great wrath knowing that his time is near. What is the call of God upon the church at this time? How shall we be building? How shall the church be positioned to be what God has called the church to be? These are very important things that everyone needs to we must be very clear about it. Church is not just a place where we gather together to meet friends. Thank God that we can enjoy our time there. But there's a purpose in God for our meeting. Accurate pattern is the church that is positioned and built accurately that will be able to take cities and they will be able to stand against the onslaught of the enemy. Let me tell you, the enemy is not folding arms and watching, but we must be prepared. We must be ready. And we must never again be on the defensive. We must be advancing. We must be on the offensive and not be on the defensive. So we're not going to wait until stuff starts to happen and we're not trying to react to it. What the church of the future is the church that must be on the offensive. Not be on the defensive. So we must not be reacting to the situation, but we must be responding to heaven. If you are reacting to situations because things have just happened, we're already a little bit, you know... But God does not want that. God wants us to be accurately positioned so we are receiving from heaven and we are responding to heaven and we are not reacting to the earth. So that is why the call to the upper room is so vital and so important. Because it is when we come to the upper room that we can clearly hear from him what he wants us to do so that we can start to take grants from him. And one of the things that the enemy has used against the church for so long is lack. 
And that is why what has happened here is so tremendous and so powerful. Because the moment the church is in lack, you will be pushed to the corner. But when the church starts to take its place, you know, the Lord said this to me. He said, every ministry that is called is made provision for everything that they will need before the foundation of the earth. So all we need is to start to position ourselves, say, Lord, where? As we align with him, resources are released. And when I mean resources, I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about everything that will be needed. Let's go to Matthew 16, verse number 13. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13. Matthew 16, 13. Who will be my, who will help me to read this morning? Yep. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea. When Jesus came to the region of where? Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea. (laughs) Why are you laughing? (laughs) Caesarea Philippi, yeah? Yeah. Yes. Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He has the disciples saying, "Who do men say that the Son of Man?" Yes. So they said, "Some say John the Baptist." You know, Jesus. Uh, the Bible says when they got to the region of Caesarea Philippi, uh, Caesarea Philippi was a place known for Baal worship, idolatry. It was a place renowned for the extent of, 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 of idolatry even at that time. Not only that, it was a place populated by non-Jews. So before Jesus actually asked the question, he took his disciples to the place whereby you have a lot of idolatry, a lot of worship of other gods, a lot of bar worship. And he said, now is the time. We need to start to make some things clear. Who do these men say that I am? In fact, let me go a little bit further. Before he asked this question, he just fed 5,000 people. In that same place. Matthew would not make that clear, but Luke made that very clear. And in the report of Luke, in the account of Luke, of this account, you know the question he asked them actually? He said, who do the crowds say that I am? We need to be very careful. Because the crowd is different from the church. Because in our desire to bring the people in, if we're not careful, we'll call the church the crowd and we'll call the crowd the church. Can I show you? In Luke, let's go to Luke chapter 9, verse number eight, eight, 18. Luke chapter 9, verse number 18. 
Does it mean that Jesus does not like the crowd? No, no, no. Luke chapter 9, verse number, yes, what does it say? And it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him and asked them, saying, who do the crowds say that I am? Who do the crowd say that I am? If you look at that, you know, you find there, Jesus just fed the 5,000. Do you find the feeding of the what? Of the 5,000. 5,000 what? Men, besides what? Women and children. So if you're going to have the whole population at this time, they'll be about like, how many? If you add women, another 5,000. And most of the time, they don't marry, you know, at that time, they'll have about two, three wives. Oh, yes. because of the nature of their job. But thank God, it's changed now. Uh, let me say what I'm about to say next. Because marrying one woman is enough. Two is... <laughs> you don't go there. <laughs> but, you know, so you're talking about, let me say, 5,000 women. How about the children? Like how many children? Two per family? Or three? Or five? So you're talking about at least like how many people? How many people? Let's say 20,000. Imagine 20,000 showing up in church. And as a pastor, you say, wow, God is doing some wonderful things here. But you know, Jesus turned and said, who do this crowd take me for? He was not excited about the number, but there was something else he was looking for. Today, he will be so excited about the number. I'm not saying number is bad, but there's something that heaven is looking for beyond just the number. Don't mix church with crowd. And don't mix crowd with church. They're not the same thing. But he now turned to them. Who do men say that I am? And they answered him. They said he was what? Elijah, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, and some people were not so sure. And they say one of the prophets. Were they accurate? Was he John the Baptist? Was he Jeremiah? Was he one of the prophets? Remember, accurate pattern of building the house of God. And these are people that he just fed. These are people that spend some time with him. And yet they did not know who he was. But he now turned to the disciples. But who do you say that I, the son of man, am? Number one thing that must be established when we're building accurately 
is vitally important that everyone must know God, who God is for themselves. Everyone. No matter how tall your dad is, you need to grow your own height. Everyone, we need to endeavor to ensure that every member of church get to know God for themselves. Each person. And one thing also that is at this time, do you know also what is actually taking place here? Because it was on a journey eventually to the cross. So he, he now focused on discipleship training. Matthew 16, Matthew 17, Matthew 18, Matthew 19, you have a lot of teachings preparing them. In fact, it was actually this chapter that for the first time he informed them that he would be going to the cross. He started preparing them for his eventual death on the cross. So his concentration was on discipling them. The church cannot be effective without discipleship. Hello? You cannot have an effective church without discipleship taking place. And that is why only 12 people, Jesus pastored the church of 12, only 12 people eventually, eventually got the message out even to this generation. 12 people. 12 people. How many people are here? Can I show you from the Bible that also Paul took 12. And the Bible says the whole of Asia had the gospel in two years. Because through discipleship, you raise sons. You know where the challenge is? The challenge is there's too much gap between the pulpit and the pew. There's too much gap. The grace in the pulpit, the one standing in the pulpit, needs to be transmitted to everyone sitting in the pew. And that is why we must change the concept of church. Church is not just coming to sit down the four walls and then we go back home. Wherever God has planted you, he has sent you, everybody has a pulpit. You may not have this, this pulpit here. You may never be asked to come and preach here because this is an equipping pulpit, but everyone must have a pulpit. Your pulpit is where you are walking. Your pulpit is where God has called you to. You are an ambassador for him there. In the hospital, uh, the, in the clinic, in the place where you walk. I walked in here this morning and she was greeting me. And I saw her. I said, I can see here an authority on her to manage wars, to manage hospitals. And John asked me, said, she's been getting, she's been, she's been, she, she, he now told me, oh, she's been doing so well in her cause. But I didn't say that because I heard what he said. I saw, I said that because I saw in her a grace in her. 
I saw that grace in her. I saw her as one that will manage hospitals, that will manage wards. And I said, after completing the course, isn't it, you need to go for further assignment, further, so that you can now manage. Yeah. And what is that? That when she goes, when she steps into that domain, she can be an ambassador for the kingdom there. And without, you don't even need all you need to do. You need to do, oh, but we are not allowed to preach. He's not asking you to preach. He's asking you to step into the place and start to take authority that I'm an ambassador here. He's not, and that whatever you are doing is not, oh, uh, can, can I tell you, ministry is not the source of living. Ministry is life. Your work is not your source of living. It's, your, it's a place that what God has given to you through that, that God can supply your needs. So he asks them, who do you say that I am? You must know God. Because God, you know, if you don't have a knowing on your inside, when the storm hits, you will run. You will run. And can I make this very, very clear? Because of what God has called this house to do and to be in this city, the people need to know God. Because when sometimes the enemy will rise up like a flood, the Spirit of God inside of you must raise a standard against it. To know God, everyone must know God for himself. You must know who is God. Who is him? Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Let me tell you, God will first of all come to you because before he will come for you. He will first of all walk in you before he will walk through you. So it's important for you to get to know God. He asked Peter, he asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? Did you notice that he didn't even bother about what the crowd was saying? He said, they might get it wrong, it doesn't really matter, but how about you? Yeah. Yeah. He didn't say, whoa, they, they, they called me Jeremiah, they're wrong. He didn't bother about that at all. His focus was on the disciples. Because Number two, God will build from the inside to the outside. The pattern of building is from the inside, what? To the outside. Meaning we come to church on Sunday, we are equipped, we attend discipleship, we are equipped there, and then from there we go out. And that is why when you miss this one, you can effectively go out. Because you come in here to be equipped and then you go out. Amen. You carry whatever you've received here out. And many times you don't even need to do a lot of preaching. All you need to do is to live the life. And when you step into your place of work, can I take you something? I taught our people in Melbourne. And so when you step, especially when you're having a position there, 
when you're having maybe a boss that is giving you some little problems, when you step into the place, can I teach you what to do? Step in. The Bible says, wherever the sole of your foot. Say, yeah. so, Lord, the sole of my foot standing here. Did you notice that he didn't say the sole of your feet? He said the sole of your foot. Meaning one is even enough. But now you have two standing. Yeah. I'm standing here as your ambassador. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over every contrary spirit here. And I declare your kingdom come and your will be done. Do you know when you start to do that, you start to rule in the place. You are not the administrator. You are not the, CEO, you are not the chief executive officer. But I'm telling you, you start to position yourself to dictate the policies that will start to happen there. You start to push back all the contrary spirits there. I'm sharing with you some things that, uh, we're, you know, uh, we're equipping our people in Melbourne with. Because how do we take the city where we remain within the four walls? How do we change the environment when we're not impacting the city? When we are treated as, as uh, you know? But can you imagine where you are? Where you walk, where you walk, where she walks, where we all are there as ambassadors. We're all taking our stand there. We are declaring the word of God over the place. We are declaring the glory of God over the place. We are pushing back the enemy. It's just a question of time that the majority that is wrong will become the minority. And the minority that is right will become the majority. It's a question of time. But we must be missional. We must be deliberate and not just be that if it works, it works. No. You know, can I submit that we have enough people in this room to change the city? What is the population of sale? 15,000. It was 14 the last time I checked. 15,000. But can I show you, you know, uh, I wasn't very good in mathematics. I was fairly good in science. But I have a clear understanding of divine mathematics. One will chase what? A thousand. Two will chase what? Then how many with three chairs? <laughs> one which is 1,000. Two which is 10,000. Then how many with three chairs? 100. Now, how many are we here? How many are we? Okay, let's even say one which is 1,000. Two which is what? 10,000. What is the population of sale? 15,000. So if two people would come into the fullness of God's grace and take our place in God, can you imagine if 10,000 has been impacted in the city? You have taken over the city.
Can that be done? God of all possibilities? We had that this morning. Twelve disciples received the word. And thousands of years later, here we are. You are here today because they carried on the word. We are all here today because they received the word and ran with it. Those 12 of them. In fact, we can say 11 because one didn't make it. But eventually, he was replaced. But the question will start by the Lord asking you, who do you say that I am? And Peter's answer, answered him, said, you are what? The Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. What is the meaning of the word Christ? What does Christ mean? What? Sacrifice? Uh, what does Christ mean? What does Christ mean? <laughs> that was the answer he gave him. But what does the word Christ mean? Jesus Christ. The word Christ was not his surname. Not like Julian Matayvo. No. Christ, what does it mean? What does it mean? That is Yeshua, Joshua. What? No. What does the word Christ mean? What does the word Christ mean? Because remember, Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The word, what is? Anointed, anointed one in Greek. But in Hebrew means Messiah. Anointed one. He said, you are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. You are the one in which the fullness of the Godhead, the anointing of the Godhead is actually resident with you. The Bible says the fullness of the Godhead dwelled in him bodily. All the powers in heaven was resident in him. And sometimes some of us have felt, and I felt like that too. Oh, oh supposing Jesus were to be here today. But do you know how about the Holy Spirit? How about the Holy Spirit? When God gave Jesus, he gave his best. When he gave the Holy Spirit, he gave his all. Yes. We have the Holy Spirit resident in us. We have the potential, the fullness of the Godhead. All that we need is to start to align with the Spirit of God that work in us. Align. Change our perspective. Change our thinking. Align with him that it is possible. And it is possible that God can do it through me. God can walk through me. And he's not asking to do it alone. He's giving us the Holy Spirit to help us so that you are not alone. Can I submit to you that everything you need to be who you are is already available to you? Everything, the resources you need, 
the finances you need. The anything you need is already there because he gave you the Holy Spirit to show you what to do. Our problem is not that we do not have. Our problem is that, that our eyes are not open to see what he has done. So we need to start to align ourselves that God can, because he's resident in you. Oh, three days ago, he came to me and hit me and said, everything is available to you. Everything is available to you. <laughs> Why? Not because of just who you are, because of the Holy Spirit. Because of the Holy Spirit. When Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, he recognized and identified that the Messiah is here, the anointed one. And what was the response of Jesus? Jesus responded and said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father in heaven. Let me tell you, Revelation is the passport to paradise. Hello? Revelation is the passport to lay hold on everything that God has until our eyes are open to see, until our eyes, all the scales are removed. And I'm trusting God this morning to take you to the surgical room and start to apply the scapel of the spirit to open dimensions of the spirit so that you can see much more. Because there are cataracts and sunglasses we need to remove so, so that we can see. Unless those things are not removed, we will not see. We see the lack, we see the want, we see the challenges, we see the problems, we will not see the possibilities that is available. It says, blessed are you, Simon Bajona, for flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my Father in heaven. My Father in heaven, that you connected to the work of the Father in my life. In the same way, God is asking us today to connect with the work of the Father through his spirit resident in us. Yeah. That you can now start to see it and start to see it. Our eyes are open to it. And let me also say this, that the blessing of God you will enjoy is in direct proportion to the revelation of God that you carry. It's in direct proportion. You, you can't go higher than the revelation of God in your life. You can't go higher. Why do we enjoy ministries like Dr. Dr. Jonathan and Dr. Bakari, because of the revelation of God in their lives. Dr. Jonathan was still here. Do you know, do you, can, uh, can I, sh let me share this with you. About two years ago, I was in Malaysia. I was in Lagos, and uh, I think it must have been five years ago. I was there when Dr. Jonathan was ministering and he could not continue. 
he was shaking so badly that he could not continue. Everybody around was alarmed. But I looked at mom, Helen. She was as calm as, as cucumber. She eventually finished the message. And I was like, hmm, Lord, help us. Two years after, I was in Malaysia. And it was far, far better than the way he was three years before then. And when he was in Sydney in January of two years ago, the Holy Spirit said to me that what attacked him was meant to destroy him and kill him. But it was the presence of the Spirit of God. Because if the Spirit of him that raised from the dead dwelleth in you, he that raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body. It was the strength of the Spirit of God at work in the Spirit that did not allow that thing to take him out. Yeah. That if not for the strength of the Spirit of God in him, yeah. the sickness and disease would have completely devastated him. Yeah. And it almost did. It almost did. But thank God for the dimension of the Spirit that he was carrying. It was that dimension that pushed back. Yeah that allowed him to still be standing and be traveling today instead of us talking about the man who once lived. And that is why if we developed that dimension of God's spirit in our lives, we can fight back, we can push back against any onslaught of the enemy. And there's nothing on earth that is as powerful as God at work inside of us. The Bible says when the enemy will come in like a flood. It didn't say if the enemy will come. It said when the enemy will come like a flood. Meaning a time will come when the enemy will come like a flood. When things will happen to try to dislodge us. When suddenly things will show up. Sickness will start to arise. Things will start to develop in our bodies. Some things will happen out of the ordinary. At that time, if you've been feeding, if you've been discipled, if you've been raised, if you've been trained, the Spirit of God will raise a standard against it. And fight back and push back. Because what God is raising, let me tell you something, this is an apostolic church. What does that mean? It's not just a name tag. It means that God wants to raise breakthrough believers here. Breakthrough believers that will not only be pushing back the enemy, but pushing back regarding the lives of people around them so that they can bring other people into what, where they are in God. So it's beyond just you. You are blessed to be blessed. Are you listening to me? So that through you, others can come in. That through you, others who have gone through what you went through can come in. He never intended that it to just be about us. That, oh yes, look at what God has done. And we have our testimony, and we have our Bibles, and we're watching it. No, 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 it's bigger than that. That we see the working of God in your lives. And others will come into the place where God has, you know. Flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. But my father in heaven. And he said, upon this rock, I will build what? My church. 
upon the rock. What is that rock? What is that rock? What is that rock? Eh? Peter. No. What is the rock? What is the rock, Beck? When he said the rock, upon the rock, I will build my church. What is the rock, T? Jesus. Yes, Jesus. But can I be more specific? Can I be more specific? Because this church that the Lord is building, the accurate pattern of building the house of God, it must be built on the rock. What is the rock? Write this vertically. R-O-C-K. R-O-C-K. Is that clear? R-O-C-K. Not, not horizontal, but vertically. R-O-C-K. R, put in front of R. Revelation. Put in front of O. Of. O-F. Put in front of C, Christ. In front of K, King. So what is that? What is that? Revelation of Christ the King. What does that mean? The revelation of the Lordship of Christ. There we're not just doing things on our own. We're under commanding the Spirit. Our hearts are yielded to him. So we are returning constantly to the upper room to receive instructions from the throne room. That he's the one directing the affairs of our lives. He's the one ordering our steps. We do no longer own our lives. We go where he wants us to go. We travel to where he wants us to travel to. We do the thing that he wants us to do. We are not independent, but we are dependent on him. Dependent on him. And we're allowing God to guide us through the servant that he has placed in our lives. Because he's not going to come down physically. He gave you the Holy Spirit to lead you. And he gave you fathers and mothers in the house to instruct you. So that you will not fail. So that you will be shielded. So that you will be protected. So that you will be safe. Revelation of Christ the King said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Why is this so important? Let's go to Matthew chapter 7 from verse number 26. Matthew 7, 26. Why is this so important? Rev Matthew 6. Start on 24. Therefore, whoever hears these things of mine, yep, and does them. Everybody say, does them. That means we must be doing them. Not hearing and not doing. We must be doing them. Tell your neighbor, do them. Ah, now turn to your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor and say, do them. Whoever, Yes. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Who built his house on the rock. Yep. On the rock. Same rock. Yes, continue. 
And the rain descended. And the rain descended. The floods came. And the floods came. And the winds blew. And the winds blew. And beat on that house. And beat on that house. And it did not fall. And it did not fall. Yes, continue. For it was founded on the rock. For it was founded on the rock. Yes, continue. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine. Everyone who hears these sayings of mine. Yes. And does not do them. Will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the, the floods came. The same rain that descended, and the same flood, and the same what? Winds. Winds. Then what happened? And beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So the problem was not what? The rain, the storm, and the flood. Then what exactly is actually the problem? Where? The foundation. Yeah. Where the house is actually built. So what exactly is sand that Jesus is talking about here? Humanistic philosophies? Ideas of men? Principles based on psychology and humanity? World systems? That's the sand. Imagine how many churches have been built on sand. We are very, very conscious. We have become people pleasers. We want to ensure that people are happy. How about if people are happy and God is not happy? The same rain fell on the two houses. Where do rains fall on in the house? The roof. So rains come to test what? What? No, our covering. Our covering. Our covering. God has given husband to cover their wives and wives to cover the husbands. And God has given us fathers in the house as a covering to the church. But the ultimate covering is Christ. Is Christ. So rains will come to check, do you have a proper covering? You create hold in your covering. It is third. If you not keep your covenant vow to your spouse. When you're married and you are engaging in affairs outside of the hole, you create holes. And when the rain will fall, it will penetrate. You create holes in your covering with the father over the house when you talk negatively about him behind him. When the heart is not connected, you know what? You weaken the ability of the grace of God in his life to walk in your life. 
many, many years ago. Many, many years ago, I was a much younger believer. And sometimes people will say some things negative about the pastor. And the Lord said to me, that don't ever join them in saying those things. Say, rather bless him. Rather be praying for him. Rather be standing with him. I learned that years ago. So because when you do that, then I can walk through him in your life. Yeah. Later I realized that when you don't do that, you create the hole in the armor. Relationships are both what? Horizontal and vertical in the spirit. Whenever the relationships are not strong, stop the church from advancing. But whenever relationships are what? Unbreakable. The church is unstoppable. Unstoppable. Very, very powerful word. I've never forgotten that word since you spoke it in Melbourne. Unstoppable. Our relationship must be strong. You know the reason why sometimes relationships are not strong? Because we are focused on our humanities. We're not focused on the God that is our work in us. Don't allow holes in the covering. Floods will come to test what? The foundations. And wind or storm will test what? The structure. The structure, the foundation, and the covering. The Bible didn't say if, it said when. Meaning it's a question of time when we face issues that want to shake us. But when the foundation is right and solidly built, you will not be shaken. When the rains will start to fall because the covering is in place, it will not affect you. When the structure is right, firmly built on Christ, it will not shake you. I don't know whether you've had my testimony. Let me remind you. Some of us have had it. One of the greatest challenge we had in our lives took place, not here, but back in Nigeria, when the church we were pastored, were pastoring, was invaded by mercenaries, Islamic fundamentalists. They came in from neighboring countries. They came in actually in vans because the church was quite, you know, quite, uh, we had a fairly big building in the place and it was quite known in the area. They invaded it and they burnt everything to ashes. And after that, they asked the people around in that language, the local language, in a Gidan pastor, meaning where is the pastor's house? And they brought him to the house, the place I was living. They came with guns. They came with gasoline. They came with everything. 
They were looking for me. But a year before, God spoke to us, move from that place. It was very comfortable. We had a three-bedroom. Not an apartment, a bungalow, and a four extra room with a big compound. Very comfortable place. And I said, move. I didn't want to move. Because he didn't tell me. If we don't move, one year after, they will come and invade this place. But he said, move. Move. But because of what I've learned, revelation of Christ, the King. In my own self, I didn't want to, but I obeyed. We moved from a seven-room house to a three-bedroom apartment because of where he asked us to move to. We didn't know it was taking us from the fiery line of the enemy. And it was shielding us from what was to come. It was that move that saved my life. If I did not move when I did, I would not be standing before you today. They came, they got to the house, and they told them that pastor is no longer living here. They did not believe. They planted people who were watching the house night and day. Eventually, when they left, they left a, a, a death note. We are after you. We are looking for you to kill you. But you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's why I'm alive today. That's why you can't stop me singing, whether I'm part of the worship team or not. That's why I can't stop me rejoicing, because I know the one whom I believed. And I'm fully persuaded he's able to save and keep all that is committed to his hands. I've tested him and I've experienced him. Supposing I didn't listen. Supposing I didn't obey. Supposing I did not what? Supposing I said. Supposing I said, Lord, this is not fair. How can I leave seven bedroom and move to? I would rather, I like this place. I would have been history today. So this saved me. The revelation of the Lordship of Christ. Is he just your savior or your Lord? Those are the things, the marks of the church that will invade the future. Christ must be our Lord in the things we do, not our emotions, not our feelings, but the Lord. The Lord. And sometimes, because it's Lord, you have to take some steps and do some things that maybe with your own feelings you might not want to, but because you are hearing clearly from him. 
and he says, this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to be planted. This is the step I want you to take. You know, say, I'm, yes, I don't really feel, but this is what he's saying to me. I'm telling you, he's actually positioning you to ensure you are saved. Because when the enemy will come, the Spirit of God will be there to be a shield to you. You will not be exposed. You will not be casualty of warfare because you are in the place where he wants you to be. The reason why I'm alive today is because I obeyed. Because exactly what I'm talking to you about. And when I got to, when he said to me, I'm sending you to Australia, I was very comfortable in Nigeria. I was traveling with Dr. Bakari. We were going from city to city. You know, for two and a half years, and I enjoyed it. We had very good relationship. I didn't have to, you know, everything set and provided. He now said, now Australia. Because I've learned this again. I said to him, sir, the Lord is calling me to Australia. Thank God I did. I didn't just go to Melbourne. I was preaching December 15, 2006 in South Africa. I was in Job of praying, preparing to preach in a church in Pretoria when he said, go to Melbourne. I'm sending you to Melbourne. When I got to Melbourne, I was again praying, March 2007. I came for the first visit. I returned in October, and he said, now go to Kilo Downs Community Center. I said, where is Kilo Down? I heard it for the first time from the Lord. And I looked for, then there was no GPS. Or at least I didn't have GPS. What did we have then? Melway. So it was Melway that I used in tracing Kilo Downs Community Center. And I got there, and the man said, no, the entire hall is taking no availability. But I had God. I had God. And he said, okay, why don't you just submit your letter of application, and we'll consider it. First month, nothing. Second month, nothing. Then he called me for a meeting. He said, well, some people, we have a smaller hall there. When you enter, the first two rooms there, he said, can you manage that place? This place can only take about 50. I said, hmm, I think we'll consider it. How many, myself and my family, will consider a place that can house 50? But no, I didn't say that. I just said, hmm, okay. (laughs) I think I knew he was positioning us. And for years we've been there. But our time there expired December last year. We are in extra time. We are about to step out of the place now. You know, every decision is just less specifically. When your dream is God-given, your life must be God-governed. It must be God-governed. We can't just do anything. We can't just go anywhere. Amen? Why? 
so that you are in a place of safety. In a place of safety. Because as you follow him, you're going to find, how did I meet Pastor Brian? I wasn't planning to be at that meeting that day. I already sent them an apology that would not be there. But I was praying that morning and the Lord said, go there. And I said, Lord, you know, I already sent him an apology. He said, go there. And I went there. As I stepped in, I told the coordinator, I will only be here for 30 minutes. I did not know that destiny was waiting for me there. That God will connect me with someone that will become partners in destiny and partners in progress. A meeting I did not plan to go that he was the one that instructed me to go. This is the story of my life. Story of my life. We can't be independent. We can't just do anything. We need to what? Allow our life to be governed by him. Those are the marks of a governmental church. It's not just a name tag. It is a church. That the people in there, their lives are governed by heaven. Especially if you are called to be an apostolic church. I'm sorry to disappoint you. When you are called to be an apostolic church, like your church, is a call to warfare. Because it's a call to take territories. And if it's a call to take territories, you can't take territories by just coffee and tea. You take territories by engaging in warfare, pushing back the enemy. And sometimes in some of those, you'll be locked in a battle because it's not just going to shift. But don't ever forget that we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. That's why he said, after all, after you have done all, stand. Because it is in standing that the enemy will eventually shift. When he sees that you are not moving, when he sees that you are standing on your convictions, when, you see, when, you, when the enemy can see that you believe in what you are saying, eventually will shift because the battle already is, has been won and lost. You have been called to take the city. You have been called to take the region. That is why you are city builders church. And I'm so excited because God... God does not need multitudes to take cities. Yeah. Yeah. We have enough here. We have enough here. We have enough in our church to impact our region there. Twelve people, the entire Asia, had the gospel in two years. We are more than twelve here. In Melbourne, we are more than twelve. We are more than fifty. We are more than sixty. We are more than eighty. Then what are we doing? Rise up and take our place in God. Take our place in God. Take our place in the, take our place in the heavenlies. And you can't do that if we don't start to engage in warfare. We must not be on the defensive. When we are now reacting because of what has happened, we must be on the offensive. And the word for us today is to rise up and start to be on the offensive and start to advance. You've done that before. You have seen that before. It's time again because God is taking the church to the next level. To 
rise out so that prayers are raised here. Prayers are going on here consistently, persistently. You know, it's very important. Very, very important. I sense this so strongly. If, there's, if you've not had anything from me, what you need to hear from me this morning, that I call upon your church to start to take your place in the upper room so that you can start to touch again the throne room and then take the city. It's an apostolic call on you. Not, will everybody join you initially? No. But God has given you enough to go on. And eventually others that will not catch it initially will eventually join in. But you have enough to go ahead and get the job done. I'm here to let that, to let you know that again, to remind you, to make it loud and clear to you. Upon this rock I will take my I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know what he now said after? Very, very strategic. In line with what I've just said. Yes, Matthew 16. He now said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And what? Upon this rock, Matthew 16, yes, Verse 18. Yes, verse 18. Now, yes. He said, upon this rock, I will what? I will build what? My church. Do you know that the word church there? uh, can Can I be very, very frank with you? That Jesus did not mean, when he said the word, our understanding of church today. The church there was, this will be the first time. Go and study. Go and check the Bible. I'm a student of God's word. Before this particular event, the word church had never been in the Bible. This was the first time that Jesus mentioned the word church. And it was not a religious word. You know the meaning of the word church here that he mentioned? Ecclesia. A called out people. And Ecclesia, there were people in Rome. The word Ecclesia at the time of Jesus was more of a governmental people. People who had, people who had been trained in the custom, the values, the language of Rome, who are now sent out to conquer territories. So if you had used the word synagogue, they were used to synagogue. Synagogue they, was the place where they used to gather. But Jesus deliberately did not use the word synagogue. He used the word church because of his purpose and the intention of the Father for these people. That these are people that I'm training. You know, when he said that to them, he said, these are people I'm, I'm training you, imparting you so that you'll eventually take your place and go out. I will build my church. The purpose of God is never for the church to be seated. You know, we come for the meeting 
10 to 12 or 10 to 12, 30, and we leave after. That's all. No! You will never take the city that way. You will never change life that way. That whatsoever you have received, you take it out there. I will build my church. Then he made a promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Then what is stopping us? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. The onslaught of hell will not prevail against it. Hell can raise anything, but they will not prevail. Not that they will not make attempt, but they will not prevail. They will not prevail against it. The gates of hell. Praise God. We're not fighting a lost battle. We're not wasting our time. We've been given an apostolic commission. The gates of hell will not prevail. Wow. What a church. What we have today is a caricature of what Jesus meant when he used the word church. But thank God, Jesus started the church the way he wanted it. Now he wants his church the way he started it. The church that will rise up and take its place and invade mountains and cities and transform cities and nations. The child that will take its place in the heavenlies and start to wage warfare. The church that will not be leaning in its own strength because the moment we start to de- depend on ourselves, we're already defeated. But we start to lean on the resources of the Spirit of God on our inside to help us, to lead us, to show us what to do. The church that would stand with him to advance the purposes of heaven. That is the church that God is building today. That is the church that will take the future and bring the future into the present. Meaning that you can start to take your stand and start to lay hold on what is available in the future and start to have it today. That is the church that God is building. That is the word that God is giving to you today. And that is the word that the Lord is also speaking to us back in Melbourne. And do you know what? The time is now. Not tomorrow, not next 2030 or 2020, but now. That when we start to act on the word that we are receiving. What is church? The church, thank God. What is church? The church is primarily about you. And the church needs a house, and God has given you the house. So that this place will be a fortress whereby you will go out, not a place that you just come and sit down and enjoy yourself. And can I disappoint you a little bit? Not the place where you come and be admiring the building. 
is a place where you come, you're empowered, you are trained, and you go. And you go. And you go. And you make your home, your place of work, a center of kingdom activity. That is the church that God is building. And do you know what? He now assured Peter, and also the, disciple, the other disciples, he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Now, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you lose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Let me end with this from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 15, verse number 14. What is church? And what is the accurate pattern of building the house of God? Uh, this is actually just, you know, uh, scratching it on the head when you're talking about what is church. It's far, far bigger, but here we are. And this is what we are looking at today. First Timothy chapter 3, from verse number 14. He said, yes. These things I write to you, yep. But if, I am delayed, if I'm delayed, yes. I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself. You may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. Which is what? Church of the living God. Which is the church of the living God. Yep. Pillar and ground is the pillar and ground of the truth. That's the church of the living God. Is the pillar and ground of truth. What is truth? Truth is not just a set of facts. Truth is a person. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. In our says what? Great is the mystery of godliness. Yes. God was manifested in the flesh. God was manifested in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. Justified in the spirit. Seen by angels. Preached among the, among the Gentiles. Yes. Believed on in the world. Yep. Received up in glory. Received up in glory. God was manifested in the flesh. What made Jesus so unique? What made him so unique? And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the word of the Son of God, full of grace and truth. The word must become flesh. And how does the word become flesh? By our acting on the word that you are receiving. And the word became flesh. Manifested in word. God was manifested in the flesh. That's the word. Justified in the spirit. Preach among Gentiles. The word becoming flesh. Preach among the people around you. Not just with your word, with your life. That is the church of the living God. It's not just a place of, we just gather. The church is not just a meeting place. The church of God are people who are called out. 
the word becoming flesh, justified in the spirit, preaching this word amongst Gentiles, amongst others who have not yet known him, before you are called to glory. That is the church of the living God. You have an assignment. I have an assignment. We have an assignment. Is the apostolic calling upon us. What are you doing about it? God has given us this beautiful building. And we love it. And we are thankful for it. But that is not the end of the process. It's just the beginning. It's just for us to have the place now where we have unhindered access to do the thing that God will want us to do and to advance the kingdom. And many will come here. You know why it's so important that you are praying regularly here? Because the people, if you don't create an atmosphere that will influence the people that you are bringing in, because you are bringing the city in, they will come for expo, they will come for events here, if you don't start to create an atmosphere that when they enter, something will start to hit them, eventually they will come in. People move with their gods. Yeah. Whatsoever is God in their lives. When they come in, when the atmosphere is not strong, you know what happens? They will start to change the atmosphere. So you need to create an atmosphere that the atmosphere, when they come into it, will start to change them. Not that when they come in, they will start to change you. Because you have, you have, yes, you are bringing the people in here. People move with whatsoever, people move, people are not just individuals. Two years ago, I was walking through the Water Garden Shopping Complex. I've never had that experience. But just the first time I had it, I practically saw many people with a lot of, you know, uh, things, like spirits behind them. In the natural, they look very, very good looking. But in the spirit, you could see that there are a lot of junks in there. A lot of people, little demons, little things there. I could practically see it. It was almost like, wow, wow, what is this? What is this? What is this? Without the spirit of God that work in the lives of people, many are under the oppression of the enemy. And when they come in with their God, with whatsoever is God in their lives, and you have not created enough atmosphere that will push those things back, that will empower them, that will start to draw them in, you know what? They will change the atmosphere. They will change the atmosphere. That's why it's important that the prayers must be going on. But not just for events, but be going on. You must start to be, you must start to be on the offensive you must start to advance. And as you bring them in, supernaturally, God will start to touch the hearts of these people. Many of them will return for church and not just for the expo, not just for the events. Because they will say, I came in here and I found a peace I've never, never found because of the atmosphere you have created. It's so essential, it's so important because that is what God has called you to do. Let's rise up on our feet. His Lord, His Lord, His Lord. He's risen from the dead and His Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord.